Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Hey, if you want to listen to the full Burt Show every day, uninterrupted, we got no ads on that thing. All you have to do is become a bonus BS subscriber. That's bonus Burt Show. Find out more at thebirdshow.com slash bonus BS. The Burt Show. I am not sure I have met anybody that has worse minor luck traveling than Mo. With the amount of times your bags get lost uh-huh. and the different drama you see on flights. Yesterday he was telling us he watched security marshals take down somebody on a plane. It's never ending. I, I don't I was trying not to say that out loud into the universe, but yeah, I don't have the best luck, man. <laughs> <laughs> on these vacations. I really don't. I don't know what it is. I almost uh sliced one of my fingers off trying to sand surf in Dubai. I was bleeding all over the sand. I, I don't know what it is about me, but I, I go through a lot when I go on these vacations. And to make it worse, just as I said to myself, well, I didn't lose my bags. I almost only slit one finger off. That's not too bad. <laughs> Things are going well. Right? Oh, you and Bart yeah. have been nobodies. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Not so bad. So then um, I always have incidents with cars as well for some reason. For those who may not know, I was once hit by a car. <laughs> and I'm reminded of it almost every day of my life by someone. And this was walking to work, and Mo is 300 feet from the radio station. Yep. And uh, yep, took a, took a little tumble with a car, and, um, and she drove off. And she drove off, and I never went upstairs and got a drink, and we never <laughs> heard from her again. Yeah, the police are looking for her the same way they're looking for Nicole's killer. <laughs> <laughs> Facts. So I am leaving the um, hotel to ca- try to catch a lift and to get to the airport, and I'm a little late. As usual. And so I, I don't know if this guy was, was also late or if he was just in a rush to get us to the airport. But I was with two other people. And the two other people get into the car very safely and normally. And for some reason, as I'm the third person, the door is still wide open because I'm still trying to get into the car. And as I put one leg into the car... The man just pulls off. Whoa. <laughs> just pulls off. He didn't realize you were that tall. I guess not. I don't know what he was thinking, but he starts. So at first, he kind of like, he didn't really pull off, pull off. He just pulled up. So I did like a hop. But the second time, he pulled off enough to where I had to like hold on to the door. <laughs> and, keep, and I can hear everybody in the car going, stop, stop, stop. But for some reason, it took him a second, I guess, because he didn't speak the language. I don't know what it was. So he turns around and realizes I'm not in the car. And then I finally, I can like catch my breath and get into the car. And he looks at me and goes, 
Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. That's, that's a key component if you're going to be any kind of like ride share driver is knowing when your passengers mm-hmm. are safely in the car. Mm-hmm. You would think, right? So I'm, I was so upset that I just didn't say anything. I didn't say a word. I just sat there with an attitude all the way to the airport because it's Dubai. I didn't, I didn't, I was like, it's just right. fine. Right? <laughs> Whatever, man. You got it. So we get to the airport. Now I'm kind of limping around. My friends are like, why are you limping? I'm like, was this child in the car? <laughs> I was just skateboarding exactly. on the side of the car. <laughs> that was an excursion I didn't sign up for. Right? <laughs> it's an additional one. So we get to the airport, and I'm thinking, all right, I finally start calming down. I get some food, and I'm sitting there. And the, the most embarrassing part of this is we sit down to eat this meal, and I ordered bread. I mean, I didn't order bread, but they bought bread out. Mm-hmm. So I'm eating bread okay. of all things. <laughs> and bread is not supposed to be hard. Mm. So I like feel something that feels a little hard. And I'm like, okay, wait, what's that? So I use my tongue to try to figure out what it is. <laughs> and immediately <laughs> I realized like a piece of my tooth is missing. <laughs> no. What? <laughs> At the table. Tooth just decided that's enough. And just <laughs> <laughs> wait, was this a filling or? Yeah, I it guess it's like a. Okay. What is it, like a cap when you get like yeah. a... Yeah, so, you have a cavity or whatever, they put a cap on there, okay. But it's like the whole outside <laughs> of my tooth. So it's like my tooth has no skin, in essence. <laughs> and it looks horrible. And it's like when I put my tongue against it, it's sharp. So I knew something uh-huh. was wrong, like instantly. And it always feels worse when you're using your tongue in your mouth. Like if you've ever had like a little itty bitty hole uh, and you run your tongue over it, it always feels massive. And you can't stop touching it. You can't stop touching it. I've been doing it ever right. since. Right. Yeah. And you get to the dentist's office and they show you with a mirror how small it is. And you're like, dang. Right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I haven't. I got back to try to go into the dentist and they tell me they can't see me until Monday. So I've been running around with a piece <laughs> of my tooth missing for, for a few days now. And whatever. <laughs> Bread. Bread, of all things. And that's exactly what my lady says as I'm doing it, which was embarrassing when she looks at you and goes, from bread? (laughs) Yeah. So uh, I I have to get it fixed, but anything cold, too cold or too hot, I can feel it. So, yeah, I, I sprained my ankle and, and lost a tooth coming back from Dubai. <laughs> I mean, that was, that was my comeback story. But at least you had your bags this time. I did. Uh, <laughs> but you normally lose. I right? didn't lose my bags. The Burt Show. I, I want to circle back to something that Mo just said. And I wasn't sure if I was going to bring this up on the show or not. But I think I'm going to here. Oh, God. I know. It's going to be a, some will probably feel like it's controversial. To me, I don't It, it just seems like common sense. You mentioned it a couple of weeks also. Mo just mentioned it. It's happened to me two or three times now over the course of the last couple of months. Oh, boy, here we go. I'm all for people coming into our country, getting citizenship, and working in our country, right? However, I am starting to run into more and more people that are dealing with the general public that can't speak English. Uber. Specifically now, I've gotten in like three or four Uber cars. Uh, I had a massage therapist I told you guys about a couple of weeks ago also that I couldn't communicate with because she didn't speak the language at all. Now, don't get me wrong. This is not some political statement on opening the borders or build that wall. (laughs) I just feel like 
if you're going to work in this country with the general public, like if you're going to work in a in um, a profession where you don't have to communicate, then go ahead. You know, who don't, you don't need to speak the language. But if you're going to be like in a ride share or in this case, a massage therapist or have interaction with, with a customer, with a customer, then you should be able to speak the language. Well, I, I not not fully, but enough to be able to communicate. Yes. I see you guys don't want to touch that. No, no, <laughs> no, no. I agree. I uh, I take a lot of lifts, and I've I've definitely had quite a few where my lift driver spoke zero English. I mean, no English at all. And I remember one particular ride. She was the sweetest person. Like she was very kind, but she could not figure out my location out like at all. And I couldn't figure it out because I didn't know where I was going. It was my first time going there. And we just simply could not communicate. Yeah. So much so that I ended up being late to the appointment and had to rebook it. And then I couldn't do that for like months. And in my mind, I'm like, if we could have communicated, it would have solved that problem. Yeah. And I'm not trying to be mean or anything like that. And I know when you probably come to this country and you don't speak the language that the amount of professions that you can get into is probably pretty small. Right. So Mm -hmm. I do have some empathy there. But I also feel like if you are working in this country and you are living in this country. And again, you have a job in which you have to communicate with your customers. It doesn't seem like a crazy idea to me that you have to speak English. Well, I mean, I, I agree, but I also disagree because I feel like there should be some grace given because it can take a little bit depending on your circumstance. And we also have so many technological advances to help us communicate like Google Translate. I I shouldn't, I I, I don't want to sound like a total a-hole here, but I shouldn't have to use Google Translate in my own country. Oh, I... our, so we we have um, a house cleaner, and she doesn't speak any English. Mm. And we use Google Translate to communicate with her, and it's perfectly fine. And she's lovely. Okay. So you, But you don't feel that about visiting, just if you're permanent and you have a job? Oh, yeah. And, I mean, we've got millions of jobs in this country, and I'm not saying, look, if you don't speak the language, you're not, you shouldn't, A, be allowed in the country, or B, not allowed to work. Again, and this is the one that's sort of circled and underlined and bolded here is if you are going to have, if your job requires you to communicate uh, verbally, then you should be able to speak English. I, I just think you should try. That, that's my whole thing. I, I don't think you have to be fluent. I know how difficult it is to learn another language I'm trying now. It's, it's not an easy thing to do as you get older, but you certainly should at least be able to know the basics of whatever it is that you do in order to be able to communicate with your customers. Yeah, if you're in rideshare, like you said, and you couldn't even communicate whatsoever, they had no idea where you were going and you couldn't point them in the right direction, that's zero English at all. So the stress now is on you as the client. Yeah, I I think there's a difference between not trying or having complacency and I don't need to learn the language and just coming here and, and not having all the vocabulary to be able to communicate. Because, I mean, as someone from Florida who's been to Miami multiple times, Mm -hmm. I think there's a certain complacency there because it's very easy to just get by speaking Spanish. But um, I I don't think people should be written off just because their English isn't there yet. But I do agree that if you are going to live here and this is the common language, then for sure learn it. But also, I'm with Kristen, like, we got to give people grace, especially in professions like Uber, where... It is kind of like an entry-level thing if you're moving here for the first time and you're immigrating here. Like, it's a very easy job to do without knowing the full English language. If Let's reverse it for a second. If you moved to France, right, would you work at a company where you had to speak with those from France without being able to speak French at all, be it rideshare, be it whatever industry it's in? 
It would be infuriating for those that live there. And let oh. me tell you, the people in Paris will let you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. But I think at the same time, a lot of people who come to this country who don't have the resources to learn English, which is one of the harder languages to learn. A lot of people put it up there with Mandarin Chinese because of all the unique in like idiosyncrasies of the language. When you go into these other countries, a lot of people are looking for work. So, yes, if I went to France, I would learn French. But at the same time, I would hop in an Uber and start driving not knowing French if I didn't have any other resources and I had to survive. Yeah, and let me again say this, because I think this is a, a key point that I'm trying to make is you shouldn't not be able to work in this country because you don't speak English. My point is that you should be able to speak it well enough that if you're in this country and you're working with customers, clients, that to me is the defining line. Or are we just evolving as a country? We're a melting pot already. Maybe we all need to start picking up other languages like they do in other countries where they speak multiple languages. All right. So we're supposed to change our language for those that are coming into the country? No. no we're not supposed or to learn change. more? We, yeah. Yes. We're part of a global economy and a global yeah. society. We're one of the few countries that only speaks one language. Multiple others speak multiple languages. So maybe some, maybe it can go both ways and maybe we can start learning other dominant languages like Spanish or Arabic. Man, I wish you would have brought that up for four minutes ago. Well, I mean, you've heard the joke. What's somebody who speaks two languages? Bilingual. What's somebody who speaks three languages? Trilingual. What's a person who speaks one language? American. Yes. <laughs> the Burt Show. Time to get buzzed on the hot goss from Hollywood with Abby. It's the Burt Show's entertainment buzz. The internet wants Simone Biles to divorce her husband ASAP. <laughs> and it all has to do with the way he answered one question on a podcast. I think you know what I'm talking about. So Jonathan Owens, he plays for the Green Bay Packers and he went on the Pivot podcast and he was asked how he pulled Simone Biles, the greatest gymnast of all time. And he was like, well, it's really how she pulled me because he says he didn't know who she was. And the interviewers were like, literally what? You think you're the catch? So you was really the catch in... I always say we the men are cats, man. I always say we the cats, man. Yeah, so she really booked you. She did, though. She is did, what you though. said. I, I was fighting it. I was fighting it. So I was you, fighting it. So in truth, if I say this out loud, was Jonathan Owens ain't really want Simone Biles, is at, what you're saying. At the time. <laughs> That's what you're not going to say that. That's what you're saying. I was afraid. I, I was afraid to commit. I'm like, ah, I'm. Man, this is my this is my third year, you know, I'm trying to ah, I'm like, it's kinda <laughs> early. But you know, like I said, man, it happened when you least suspect it. And so honestly, when I heard that, I was kinda like, whatever, he's a young hotshot. But then he really went in with Simone about the semantics of how their first meeting went down. Match. I was just the first to message. As soon as I clicked, ooh, I like him. It matched. So he had already liked my profile, which that means she I was always just the first. say we match. No, first. baby, we matched, but I was the first to message. Yeah, you, you messaged me. She messaged. She wasn't scared. She wasn't scared. She, I knew that. I, I know what I like and I know what I want. I don't know. It just feels a little bit like mm -hmm. he did. He wanted to seem too cool in front of the guys. Like, well, she wanted me, and it's like you are married to this woman. It doesn't matter at this point. I. I, I don't understand, like, having to downplay your significant other's, like, attributes and her accomplishments and that, yeah. Okay, so you're, you're there's nothing wrong with thinking you're a catch. It's, it's, it's actually, like, healthy to think of yourself as a catch. It's good self-esteem. Nothing wrong with that. But to go into an interview like that, making it sound like, no, 
she's not the catch. I'm the catch. It's like you don't have to put another person down mm-hmm. to lift yourself up. And I saw somebody bust him, and it was hilarious. <laughs> so Because he said he had, like, he didn't watch gymnastics, right? Like, mm-hmm. he didn't know who she was. Mm-hmm. And somebody went on to um, X, formerly known as Twitter, and put in his name in gymnastics. And sure enough, <laughs> tweets popped up, <laughs> popped up of him saying certain things about him while he was watching gymnastics. So it's like, dude, get out of here. It was all bad for me. Uh, first of all, even if this story is true in how you see it, to admit that you're a black athlete and don't know who Simone Biles is, that that in itself was like, <laughs> that doesn't even make you look good, no. fam. And I don't, I respect him feeling like a catch. I think everybody should feel like a catch. But if we're being honest here, you're not the one of the best players in the league. That is the greatest <laughs> gymnast of all time. Right. You, she's the catch, big dog. You so, gotta let it go. I think we're missing the, the biggest offense here that he said. Unless I misinterpreted it in the beginning. Did he say, I always think the man's the catch? Yes. Yeah, he did say that. That's the one right there. Okay, so when he's talking about Simone, it's personal. But when he makes a statement like that, now you're a chauvinist. Well, I think it's because <laughs> well, I think that's the mentality of a professional athlete. Because he's the one that, like, because there, let's admit it, there's plenty of women out there who try to snag them a professional athlete, trap them a professional athlete, however you Mm -hmm. want to say. So for his mentality, if you have women throwing themselves at you all the time Mm -hmm. because you're a professional athlete, you make good money, whatever, you're going to, (laughs) like, you're going to get disillusioned and delulu into thinking, well, we're the catch. In 10 years, I assure you, nobody will know his name. In 10 days, (laughs) nobody will know his name. Her name will live on forever. (laughs) His name is Simone Biles' husband. (laughs) (laughs) That's just what it is. Embrace it. Yes. Well, in the interview, Simone even says, well, in a couple of years, baby, they're not going to know you as Simone Biles' husband. They're going to know you as, they're going to know me as Jonathan Owens' wife. And we're all like, ah, don't put us, don't put us into that conversation. Actually, I think Mo was wrong. In a couple of years, he'll be known as Simone Biles' ex husband. <laughs> <laughs> he, he keep this up. <laughs> I mean, she is firmly standing by her man because she res- she responded on social media and she's like, okay, are we done talking about this? Right. Because like, I'm over it. Uh-huh. I, I respect it too, but I think just so many women saw that and put themselves in her shoes. And I feel like uh, almost every woman has been in that situation where you're dating a guy or you have a guy friend and they put you down in some regard. Mm-hmm. And I think it really made us all feel like, girl, run. Yeah, I can understand that too because here you do have one of the greatest athletes of all time. She's at the height of her profession. No one has ever been better, right? And yet a guy is still saying, eh, she's still not as good as me. <laughs> in what world, bro? Right? So I can understand how women can be offended by that. Sure. All right, Britney Spears reveals she's been ghostwriting pop music for the last few years, but for who? I'll tell you what she said on your next eBuzz on The Burt Show. The Burt Show. She sort of had to sell herself out if she wanted to get the approval of her boyfriend's mom over the holidays. Well, she if she could do that or not, her, her ego took over. Before that, Cassie says there are a couple of phrases in 2024 we just got to eliminate. These have been driving me nuts, and I've sat on it for months being like, this is a you problem, Cassie. But they keep getting used, and they keep getting used, like, in the worst circumstances, and I just need it to stop. All right, so these three phrases have got to go. Nourish. This nourishes me. Oh, my God. No, it doesn't. Seeing a kitten does not nourish your soul, all right? Yes, it does, Cassie. Yes, it does. You're cute. It makes you feel good, right? It doesn't fill you with joy, which is the second phrase. Oh, my God. I hate when people say, I'm filled with joy. 
Your home can be filled with joy. No one is filled with joy in this economy, in this state of the world. You're a liar. I would love to be filled with joy. All right, so joy it's not was possible. Joy was for December, but we're over that. This is January. It wasn't even so. December. You're all liars. No one is filled with joy, especially at the holidays. Like. <laughs> I things bring you joy. It just it just comes off as fake to me. Maybe the state that I'm in in my life, but I'm just a jelly belly. And then the third one is fellowship outside of church. You have fellowship in church. Uh, Sitting down with your coworkers at O'Charlie's is not fellowship. <laughs> Stop. I'm so over hashtag blessed. Oh, yeah. hashtag, blessed. Content, hashtag blessed. The, the blessed has irked me for years. Or oh, yeah, so I feel like when you say you're hashtag blessed, and this is this is my own hangup. Like I realize this is a KK thing for sure. Um, I, I, I don't like using the B word, the blessed word, because it makes you feel like you're superior to others. Like you got something somebody else did. Huh. Like that's. Mm. I, I, just, blessed, I, I just don't like it when they add the, the too blessed to be stressed on it. Like that's when it's, <laughs> it's <all right>. too <laughs> much. <laughs> it's too much sauce. Live, love, laugh. <laughs> too much dip on you, Jill. God, humans are stupid. <laughs> <laughs> You're so stupid. All right, so um, there are times where Bert Show, we just forget about storylines and they're open-ended for you guys. So we need to do a follow-up Thursday. It's fairly recent because um, we got a reminder from Heather Birch that was telling us that, hey, you remember that woman that really kind of had to sell herself out for her boyfriend's mom? And it had everything to do with cookies. Can I get a follow-up on that thing? Yeah, so if you missed the OG um, dilemma, she's been dating her boyfriend for five months. She met his parents for the first time about a month ago. Her mom seems nice, but she still feels like she has to impress her. His mom is very social, has many friends, a large family, and his mom invited her to a holiday cookie swap party that his mom throws every year. It's basically all women, her friends from church in the community, sisters, nieces, etc. So she's going to the cookie swap party and everyone is supposed to bring cookies and the recipe for the cookie printed on cards so that others can try the cookies and take the recipe if they like it. She's really good in the kitchen. She's a good baker. She also has a really amazing family cookie recipe that everyone loves. She was looking forward to impressing his mom with her incredible cookies. While talking to several friends, two of them said, do not bring the amazing cookies. <laughs> that she'd outshine the mom and you don't want to do that. Her two other friends think it's ridiculous and that she should be herself and bring her awesome recipe. What was the best approach to take if she wants to win the mom over? What did she do? I ended up being myself. As a few of you suggested, I made my cookie recipe, the one that everyone loves. All right, let's go. Everyone at the party loved the cookies. Everyone gave me a ton of compliments. However, the one person who didn't seem to say much about it was my boyfriend's mom. She tasted them. She said they were good. <laughs> <laughs> she could have said, these are good. Yeah, that's the way you say it, right? I don't know. It just says, quote, Good. Or it could be, these are good. <laughs> it could go either way. And that was it. When it came to the contest, my cookies came in second place. Hers came in first. I tried her cookies. <laughs> they were okay. <laughs> However, I honestly think that she only won because everyone felt obligated to vote for her. I think she knows that too. I talked to my boyfriend about it afterwards. He seemed to think I was overreacting. And that he was certain that his mom didn't feel one way or another about my cookies being better than hers. I'd like to think he is right. But we were supposed to have dinner with the parents this evening. 
and his mom texted and said they'd have to cancel. While she learns how to make cookies. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I'm paranoid, but I think I screwed up my relationship with her over cookies. I think not. I think this is the perfect scenario, actually. Everybody there knows your cookies was were better, right? And you still came in second place. So mom gets the ego stroke on that whole thing. I'm sure the cancellation had nothing to do with the cookies, but I think this is a win-win. You think it was? Yeah, absolutely. Really? Yeah, because people are petty like that. Um, I don't... Did you screw up your relationship? Absolutely not. Like, you can't let his mother interfere with your relationship. That is rule number one, which is sometimes a very hard rule to follow um you were yourself and there's nothing wrong with that and if she can't take it on the chin that you bake better cookies than her that's a her problem not a you problem um you were humble about it you took the second place prize i think in her heart she knows your cookies are better than hers and that people felt obligated to vote for her so she didn't um she may have won but in her heart she knows she Mm -hmm. didn't win (laughs) But, Which is the perfect win yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for you. Um, but I, I will she hold on to this for the rest of her life? Probably, because I know people like that. Really? Yes. Come on, over cookies? Yes. Come on. I know somebody who still brings something up that happened 17 years ago, and it is the stupid, most frivolous thing ever. Hashtag petty. <laughs> <laughs> They're not blessed. <laughs> They're hashtag very stressed. <laughs> so, um, but don't apologize for being a good baker and just, and don't, I, don't, I wouldn't say anything to it. I would just let it lie. And if she's got a problem with it, it's her problem. The Burt Show. I wonder if you guys could call up and confess about the smallest petty thing that you're still holding on to. Like this right here that a woman could actually really be very petty and upset still years later, even maybe that she lost this competition. Some of you guys have to still be upset over something so small and frivolous. One eight five five Bircha. Would you let me t- like me to kick it off? I would love that. Okay, so I am not going to call this person out, but somebody still is mad at my husband. I wouldn't say they're mad, but still remembers this. I'd have to say I've been here for 12 years. Mm. I was in North Carolina for five. This was 16 years ago. Okay. 16 years ago, um, we had a flat top stove top or whatever, one of those glass ones. So, um, Mm. and my husband corrected them on how to clean the glass top. Yeah. And they still have not forgotten it. (laughs) (laughs) I've got one. All right. I banned a network. I will not watch the USA Network. I haven't since 2007 because of two shows they canceled that year (laughs) that I was very invested in. What were they? One was uh, The Dead Zone, Stephen King, and then the other was called The 4400. It was the first show that featured uh, a young Mahershala Ali. And they canceled it, and you have never watched the USA Network? Never watched it. If it comes on, I I have that little throw-up taste. (laughs) Um, I've got one. It's very petty, and... It's uh, a pettiness that is directed at our listeners. And I'll tell you where it stems from. One competition we had years and years and years ago. It was before any of you guys were part of the Burt Show. We did the this- good old days. <laughs> <laughs> the golden years. The golden <laughs> so before there was social media and everything, we did a contest called Who Do You Know? 
where people would call in and whoever got the biggest celebrity to call in won a huge prize. I think it was $10,000. They won $10,000 and then we gave $10,000 to the celebrity that called in also. Can't do it now because of social media, but back then it was huge. It was huge, right? It finally comes down to, and we got amazing, amazing celebrities that called in for like a month, but none bigger than these two. This was the final that listeners had to choose between Justin Timberlake and Muhammad Ali. Whoa. <laughs> and the freaking listeners picked Justin Timberlake. No, in what world? I am still mad. <laughs> you should be. I am still mad 20 years <laughs> later. It's so disrespectful. <laughs> I, I, I have a friend who, uh, this happened in high school, and it was a basketball game, and it was a play that was called at the end of the game to take the last shot to order in order to win the game. And the play was designed to go to him, but it started with me having the ball, and the play broke down. And so I took the shot, and I made it. And the whole team celebrated, except him. And to this day, he brings it up every single time. <laughs> every single time. I don't have, like, a petty beef that I can remember just because I don't have the memory for it. Like, I, you tell me one thing, I'm going to forget it, like, 10 minutes later. But I do have, like, petty beef with celebs. Like, do you ever have a movie you can't watch because there's one celeb in it? For me, that's how I feel about Owen Wilson. Like, I feel like Owen Wilson <laughs> takes me out of every single movie that I watch. I'm with you. Like, he was in, and he seems like a lovely man. I'm sure he's great. But I, (laughs) but he's just so like his voice is just so unserious that I can't I can't put he's just too Owen Wilson to be anything other than him. Do you know about Bert's beef with Owen Wilson? No. Oh, I don't even want to get. (laughs) So you have like real beef. It's in the past. (laughs) Grace, good morning. Grace, good morning. You're on the Bert Show. Hi. Good morning. Good morning. Okay, the small, itty-bitty, petty thing that's still bothering you. Um, well, I think it's important to preface with the fact that I am an only child. Okay. But my mom did not put birthday candles on my 19th birthday cake, and I still am bitter about it. <laughs> Grace, how old are you now? 31. <laughs> that's, that's absolutely oh, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for calling. <laughs> <laughs> Ashley, good morning. You are on the Burt Show. Hi. Good morning. Good, good morning. So when I was, my son is about to be 11 years old. When I had my son, my aunt asked me what was the first thing that I wanted, and I wanted her to make me my homemade lasagna. Well, my ex-husband's family came over and ate my entire pan, and I have been bitter about it ever since. <laughs> no. <laughs> and again, how many years ago was this? Eleven. <laughs> <laughs> Never forget. Uh-huh. Carly, good morning. You'll be the last call on this. What you got? Did you say Carly? Yes. <laughs> oh, hi. Wow, cool. So I work at a school, and last year they, like, blew up. They photoshopped my arm to fill the, like, the frame. And they made it ginormous. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> they reverse based I'm so mad. I will never let it go. So usually they Photoshop <laughs> to, like, take some off. But in your case, they made it bigger? My arm was ginormous. And it goes in the yearbook. <laughs> <laughs> that is in there forever. Forever. Hashtag pissed. <laughs> Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Burt Show. I think it's a pretty good exercise, right? And I think that is like you put a label, a one word label on what you want your 2024, your new year to look at. And you kind of use that as your North Star for 2024. Is that what I'm getting? Correct. And we have done this before on the show at the beginning of the year. So it's not like a resolution or goal. It's just like you look back at 2023 and if there is something you want more of, if there's something you want less of, you try to just come up with, like you said, a commonality or something you really, you, you really ultimately want to focus on in 2024. And so like, I will be more than happy to kick it off because I've asked everybody in here to bring in the one word that you want to represent for 2024. And my word for 2024, and I I don't even know if I've chosen this word before. I meant to look up to see if I've used it before. It's kind of sad if I can't remember, but that's my brain these days. The word is redundant. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) I might be. Um, But no, my word is present. So not like as in the gift, but as in being present present. See, you just stole my word. I did not. You want to write it down right here? Look at it. <laughs> so redundant is your word. <laughs> well, let me explain what present means to me, which I'm sure it means the same thing to you because it's going to be the definition of present. Um, I get very easily distracted. Um, and I catch myself often not being present. And because my son is at such a precious age, he'll be turning three in March, I really need to focus on being present, especially around him. So, um, and it, it's, it starts everywhere. So being at work, being present at work and not being distracted by stuff going, going on at home. When I'm at home, being present at home and not being distracted by stuff that's going on at work. Um, when I, whenever I'm doing something, like if, if I'm on a vacation, I have a very hard time enjoying a vacation because I'm never present. I'm thinking about like the next thing I have scheduled or the uh-huh. itinerary. And I just, when I look at my schedule, instead of just trying to get through the next thing, I want to enjoy the thing that I'm currently doing. If oh, it's yeah. Something- for shoes, for shoes. What the heck was that? that? I was just testing Kristen to see if she'd get distracted, and she did. (laughs) We all got distracted. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, so present's going to be my word for 24. I I know my phone is a major issue. My husband even pointed out to me the other day that I've been... um, I've, I, I understand I have an addiction to my phone. That's, I, I, I recognize that and I acknowledge that. So I really have to work on um, getting my phone time down and just being in the moment, being present. So we have the same word, but I think different definitions. And I really struggled on this one right now. Um, the timing of this is bad for me because I feel so good. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just, I'm, in this particular moment in my life right now, I just feel so optimistic about this year. I feel mentally clear. I feel physically healthy right now. Um, I'm watching my son who's just ecstatic about where he is in his life right now. I'm working with Hayden on getting through something. I'm just really, really content and happy right now. And that's one I'm usually chasing. The only thing 
that holds me back is thinking about things from the past. Mm. So I think if I had to use any word as a guiding light for this year, it would be just stay right here, man. Be present because everything is good right here. But when you start looking in that rear view mirror, that's where I start to get a little wonky. See, it's the same but different because I look too much towards the future that I get distracted and I don't focus on the present, whereas you're being distracted by the past. Right. Okay, Mo. My word is bold. Uh, you stole my word? No, no you way. didn't. No yeah. way. No <laughs> way. What? Are you serious? <laughs> and you stole my hat. <laughs> I don't have Yankee hats on today. That's hilarious. That is hilarious. Wow. We're getting we way, too cl- we're, we're way too close. Oh we are all getting way we too just, close. We need to call it now. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I was thinking about it, and I realized, especially last year, there are a lot of times in life when... I want to say certain things, but I'll doubt myself or I want to do certain things and I'll doubt myself. And I don't always have as much confidence in my convictions as I want to. And I don't want to always hesitate or not do something because I'm afraid of it not going well or what the results will be or what people will think or what people, how people will look at it. I just want to be bold in everything I do. Win, lose or draw. I want to go into it 10 toes down and be bold. Okay, well, that was really great. Uh, (laughs) Let's try to guess Abby's. Same but different. (laughs) So I chose bold because it was actually something that you said to me yesterday when we were talking about my nose job. And you were like, wow, that was really bold. And it's so funny Mm -hmm. because the word I had chosen for 2023 was actually brave. And to me, bold is sort of the antithesis of, not antithesis of brave, but to me, brave sort of implies that there's some kind of like fear or anxiety when you go into things. And for me, I chose brave last year because I was like, I wanted to do things that scared me. Like I moved away from home and I started a new job and I decided to get a nose job and change my, change my face. And for me, I think bold is sort of like the more firm stance mm-hmm. of what being brave is. Like be bold and unapologetically do the things that you want to do without thinking about the anxiety or fear that comes with them and just be adventurous. I mean, for me, that I think that life is supposed to be lived big right? We're not here all that long. So when you come in here and you've got a nose job, I mean, I thought about getting a nose job for 20 years, but I haven't done it. So when you came in here, that's a bold move. And Mo, it's interesting that you don't see yourself as a bold person. I see you as one of the boldest people I know. Uh, uh, People close to me say that to me all the time, all the time. And for some reason, I I don't feel that way. I, I, I feel like if anything... I force myself to do things even when I'm afraid or uncomfortable. I just do it. And I think Pete, that makes people think I'm always confident in what I'm doing, uh-huh. but I'm not always confident in it. I just make myself do it. Cass, did you want to get in on this? Yeah, my word is ready. So the, me- the meaning behind that is I'm sort of ready to finally let myself be who I am. I think I've held myself a lot back mentally, um, also with anxiety and OCD holding myself back. So I'm ready and I feel it. I feel it. I'm ready and I'm primed to step into being who I want without fear of judgment from other people holding me back, judgment of myself, mm-hmm. and really just accept myself and step into this new chapter of my life. It feels good. It's a good exercise for 2024. It really is. Thanks. To use sort of as your guide the entire year. The Burt Show. Alright, so we had to do Award of the Roses last night, and this one has everything to do with New Year's Eve. Like, her man just went missing. Just went missing. And she couldn't figure out, like, what had happened, and she thought, well, if he wasn't with me, at the stroke of midnight, where was he? And he had a really lame excuse, so she wanted us to test him with War of the Roses yesterday. Hey, Sandra. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Okay, for, so for those that didn't hear this yesterday, what was making you all, like, a little bit curious? Is this guy messing around on me? And it had everything to do with midnight on New Year's Eve. Yeah, so um, my boyfriend took me to this party where I knew nobody. It was all of his 
gamer weird friends and he didn't want to have anything to do with me all night long. He didn't even introduce me to people. So when he went missing um, and then reappeared after midnight and said that he felt like he was too drunk and was afraid to get sick, but I didn't even, you know, we were having a coherent conversation after the fact, after midnight had come and gone. I was really suspicious and something doesn't sit right here. Right. And we all said this yesterday that it doesn't matter where you are at, like what party you're you're going to be by your significant other at midnight, period. Well, yeah. And you typically yeah. can hear, hear everybody counting down because that's right. <laughs> you can't if, miss you're, it. if you're at a party, it's pretty, pretty much what everybody's going to do. But Abby had your, your man's back saying that, you know, if he is an introvert and it was out of his comfort zone to go to a party like this, that maybe he was, you know, he overserved himself and was sick. Yeah, I think it's totally fair to think that maybe he just needed a second to recharge and he didn't realize it was 1157. And then all of a sudden you're like mid pee stream and people are counting down and you can't leave because, you know, you're in the middle of doing your business. And, you know, I think I think he has a very, um, you know, reasonable excuse. All right, Sandra. So you wanted us to test him with our War of the Roses. We've got results for you. Abby will read them. All right. We sent a fake promotional email to the email address that Sandra provided us for him. He was offered a free bouquet of flowers and was able to choose from several options with pictures. The first is orange glad we're friends, a mm. cheerful bouquet of orange roses and greenery to show someone how much you appreciate their friendship. Don't stop believing a tropical bouquet of monstera leaves, yellow flowers and greenery. Perfect for someone who needs some cheerful encouragement. My one new love, burgundy ranunculus mixed with mariposa carnations. It's a passionate gift for the new love of your life. Ridiculously in love, two dozen long-stemmed red roses. Perfect for expressing your love to your one and only. I don't think you emphasize that enough, and Tracy's not going to be happy. What? Red. Red. Ridiculously. Yeah. What did I say? You said ridiculously. Oh. Well, it's it, red. This is ridiculous. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> ridiculously in love. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. Uh, in exchange, we asked to share. We asked him to share two, ten promo codes for thirty percent off a future order with his friends and family. The first promotional email was sent at nine thirty nine a.m. A second email was sent at one thirty two p.m. He responded and ordered flowers at one fifty five p.m. And he chose. My one new love, burgundy ranunculus mixed with mariposa carnations. It's a passionate gift for the new love of your life. Ooh, and this is being sent to Ava. It's being sent on Friday morning to a business address. Yeah, and Ava is not Sandra's real name. And the note on the card, it says... Looking forward to a new year full of new things. So was this Slute Ava at oh the party? Do you know who she is? <laughs> I I have no idea. We've been living together for three years now. He moved in with me. This guy was living in his mom's basement. I'm, I'm so ridiculously upset right now. Yeah, yeah you should be. <laughs> ridiculously. Um, this yes. is insane. Stakes just got raised there. I didn't realize that. Well... Um, so that doesn't wow. make you a new love. That makes you an old love. Oh. No, no. Boy, bye. This guy has to go. Like, I drive him to work. All he does is play his video games. I even went out of my way to make sure he was including his friends. And so- this is this is really upsetting. Haven't we? Is there a way to, like, uh, we've done this before, like, 
Cole bust him on this whole thing because he sent them to a business address. Is there a way? Can I have that business address? I know. That's what I'm thinking. Right? <laughs> well, I mean. I can't believe I got traded by some girl that wears for years. <laughs> but again, Ava may have no idea that he's in a relationship. So, I mean, you can go to the business and you can cause a scene. Yeah, that's but, true. But, I mean, she may be like, who are you and what are you talking about? So, if she wants to address this with him. She, yeah, she's got to address it to, with, with him. Not with Ava. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think you need to tell him how you know anything. Stuff. Yeah, no, I'll just start selling his PS5 and his Xbox Ooh. and everything. Ooh. Okay. I like this uh, idea. All right. New year, new low. Um, I ain't going to stop you. Yeah. <laughs> Mo wants to know how much you want, want for it. <laughs> I, I know a few people who can use one. <laughs> all right, uh, Sandra, do with that what you want. But yeah, dude is uh, dude's playing dirty. Yeah, boy, bye. 20, 2024, new year, new me. The Bird Show. Time to get buzzed on the hot goss from Hollywood with Abby. It's the Burt Show's entertainment buzz. Britney Spears is revealing that she's a ghostwriter for other artists. So apparently she didn't spill all the tea in her memoir because she said, for those of you who have read my book, there's loads of you that don't know that don't know about me, that I've written over 20 songs for other people the past two years. I'm a ghostwriter, and I honestly enjoy it that way. So she didn't reveal who, but she also talked about how most of the music news that comes out, she says it's trash. They keep saying I'm turning to random people to do a new album. I will never return to the music industry. Again, when I write, for, uh, when I, write I do it for fun or for other people. And so she has done songs with Elton John and Will I Am in the past, but I was kind of thinking, I'm like, if she was going to write for the pop stars of today, who do I think she would do it for? And I have my mm. predictions. Okay. So I came up with three artists that if I was going to take a wild guess as to who she would write music for, this is who I think so. So this is the person that reminds me the most of Britney Spears of today. To me, this is the Gen Z Britney Spears. I have a strong feeling she might have ghostwritten for Tate McRae, Blackpink. I think she may have written this controversial track featuring Sam Smith and Kim Petras. So those are my predictions for who I think she could have ghostwritten for. It's very possible that maybe she has done things that are more low key. Maybe she wants to dive into things that are less mainstream because arguably her music's very mainstream. What would the motivation be behind being a ghostwriter rather than just saying, hey, I'm Britney, I'm writing for people? Maybe she doesn't want all the attention. You know, maybe she just wants to be able to do it without... The criticism of, is it good? What it, is she saying things about her life? Like maybe she uses it as an opportunity to be able to have that creative outlet and songwrite about her life without people going, oh, that happened to Britney. Mm. Um, yeah, and th they misread into the lyrics and come up with their own sure. um, scenarios. And also, not that you should hide yourself because of the haters, but for every Britney fan, there's a Britney hater. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, let's let's give this a fair chance. I'll write it as a ghostwriter and then nobody's in the wiser and songwriters make bank. Mm -hmm. uh, Selena Gomez has a new song coming out called I Still Hate Justin Timberlake. <laughs> and I'm wondering if she might have something to do with that. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure she wrote that. All right. Al <laughs> Alanis Morissette and Sierra went on a show to find out about their family roots. So Sierra found out that her husband wasn't the only athlete in her family. She found out she was re related to another famous ath uh, athlete. She's related to Derek Jeter. No That's way. her DNA cousin. Really? Yes. Yeah, so this is on the latest episode of Finding Your Roots with Dr. Henry Louis Gates Jr. And they revealed the details. But that, like, how far, when we say DNA cousin, like, 
Don't matter. If you got one drop of blood in there, you can call him for free tickets. <laughs> I think they need free tickets. <laughs> I found out one of my cousins used to play for the Yankees. It was like the 12th picture of a year that I never even, it's like a guy I never heard of. Is that <laughs> he played in like three games. Our cousin is Derek Jeter. <laughs> yeah, wow. up. And on a, on a more sad uh, note, Alanis Morissette found out that her bloodline um, relates all the way back to Ukraine. Yeah, I got Houdini. That's all I got. That's How did true. you find out about Houdini? Yeah. Um, I think my mom might have told me when she remembered stuff. <laughs> um, this was pre-dementia. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I traced it back, and sure enough, his real name is Eric Weiss. Oh, very cool. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't know if I'm related to anybody interesting. We did the ancestry thing like way, way back. And all we found out is what we all knew is that we were from like, you know, very Icelandic countries. And I'm like, oh, yes, the blonde hair and blue eyes yeah. make sense now. And from Ireland. So Murphy adds up. All right, America Ferreira is addressing the biggest complaint about the Barbie movie. It's on your next eBuzz on The Bird Show. The Bird Show. So this is the time of year where everybody thinks they're starting to get very serious about their health in the next year. This is the year I'm going to go to the gym. And you do. You sign up for that gym fitness and you use it for 14 days and you never go back in there ever again. Uh, We're going to try to change that this year. We have brought Jason Collarin in. To really dumb it down (laughs) for people that are just starting to work out for the first time or really intimidated, don't have any idea where to find a trainer or find a qualified trainer. Before we get into that, I think it's important to sort of establish your credibility in this area. So who are you and why are you even here? My name's Jason Collarn, and I've been, uh, you know, an athlete in the fitness industry for over 22 years now. So I've worked at big corporate places, and to me, the most of the fitness industry is, is a sham, and that's why I opened my facility to help people. So I've been through some specialized courses, uh, you know, manual muscle testing with physics, resistance mechanics. Um, so that's why we get a lot of kind of special clients. But I've also taught for physical therapists and orthopedic surgeons. And again, I open because I, I feel like there's not many places out there that are good enough for people. It's just kind of training mills where they want to take your money. So for those that don't have any idea at all how to pick a trainer, how do you know if they're credible or not? I would definitely look at their social media. If it looks like they're all about them, uh, you've got a complete narcissist on your hands, and, you know, it's probably just about them getting paid. So what does that mean? Like a whole bunch of pictures of them flexing in a mirror or them doing the exercises? If it's all shirtless selfies and and, uh, exercises that look dangerous, then that's not a good fit right off the bat. That's Um, a lot of trainers today. Yes. That's most. If you are interviewing trainers or you're interested, when you sit down, a lot of times in corporate, they'll come in for like the double team or the hard sell. If that ever happens, walk away. What does that look like? If I say, Bert, we're going to get you signed up for this many sessions at, you know, this rate. And you're like, well, you know, I'd like to look at a couple different places. And I say, well, hold on right there. And then they go get their manager. The free session is not about a personal training session. So most places, they just beat you down. You know, you don't have to throw it, pass out, or die to have a great workout. (laughs) So what they'll do is they'll beat you down and be like, wow, you're out of shape. You need a trainer. And then you feel bad about it. You feel vulnerable. And then they just prey on you. Let's say you go through your your free session or orientation. They'll they'll call it a lot of different things to to not let you know they're trying to sell you. That fitness manager, they're going to tell you everything you want to hear. They're going to sell you. You think you're training with them, and then you get passed off. I want to ask one thing. What does that look like going into a gym where there are people who are elite athletes, but you're also catering to people, I guess, like me, or are you? 
you know you have a good trainer because they're going to ask you questions constantly. So for me, like every rep is a constant assessment. And if you show up and they have a, a pre-programmed workout, then again, that's not a trainer you want to work with. It should be client defined. Mm-hmm. So based on your needs, when you come in, we'd probably start with positional isometrics, which are simple, but in the fitness industry, simple doesn't sell. It's all these, you know, circus acts on social media. And again, those are the people you want to stay clear from. And if they're making a lot of posts, it means they're not doing it in real life. That's another thing. I don't even have a personal, you know, Instagram. You should be using machines if they're talking about, we only do functional fitness. And I say, okay, well, I guess what I do is dysfunctional, but it seems to work. (laughs) The science of it has been lost. So machines are a great way to precisely apply force and minimize joint stress. You don't need to be flipping tires and and swinging on a pull-up bar. And that's why so many injuries happen. So that's why there's a sports medicine. And if they say train like an athlete, I mean, the amount of sports injuries you hear about, mm-hmm. that's the last thing you should be doing. So if you go in and they have you running, doing things like that, everybody thinks that running's healthy. I mean, there were 25 million running injuries reported. I think it was a study from one or two years ago. So that's not healthy either. So it should be, think about a callus to a blister. You don't want to go into, say, one of these popular cross-training places. I won't mention the name. But you go in and they push you hard. And then, again, they try to prey on you and say, oh, you you really need to get in better mm-hmm. shape. It's like, you know that because that's why you're there. So you're looking for help. I think it's pretty easy to find in the first conversation whether or not they're actually there for you or if they're there for themselves. And then ask them questions. What are my goals? Mm-hmm. What do you think is a safe uh, list of progressions to get me to those goals? Another thing, too, they'll say, oh, my philosophy. We're not philosophers here. This is science. There needs to be safe and strategic progression. So if you haven't been training in a while, uh, the last thing you need to be doing is high-impact exercise. So, again, positional isometrics or using machines are a great way to slowly progress so you're not too sore. Because what happens is, just like if you get a, a deep tissue massage, And then you feel kind of out of it and they're like, oh, it's the toxins. No, it's not the toxins. There's so much force into your nervous system and your muscular system. They just beat the crap out of you. Mm -hmm. So that's the same thing with these workouts. So if you go in and you feel like they're going too hard or they don't, you know, kind of back off. I tell my clients, anytime you need to grab some water or catch your breath, do it. Man, that is so nice to hear because I've worked with a trainer that was like, you can't have water. (laughs) Seriously, they're like, like, I I would wait until I was done with like whatever the terminology is, the set, and I would go get water because I would just be so thirsty. And he's like, you're using it as crutch. You can't have it for the rest of the day. (laughs) As a water. As a crutch. Water as a crutch. (laughs) Your muscles don't need water. Forget about hydration. If you go in and you are thinking about a trainer and they don't ask you what your goals are, immediately that's a huge red flag, right? It's a huge red flag because if they don't know what your injuries and limitations are, and even if they do ask, they're still assuming that there aren't problems or, you know, neuromuscular imbalances that you don't know about. So it could be an injury you had when you were a kid or if you had, if you were in a boot or had crutches, you know, things like that, because you can't just, you know, hit a reset button and undo those compensation patterns. So then they go off this assumption that you're perfectly healthy, and then every time they're adding load, it's going to magnify that problem until you have a blowout. So you could have been in the garden, you know, hunched over, your back's kind of tight, then you go in for a workout and something happens, then who's to blame? You know, if they don't do an accurate assessment, yeah, they really need to gather more information and ask more questions. All right, so let's take trainers right out of it. There are some people that aren't even going to be able to afford a trainer, but you can afford to go to any kind of gym on any one of these corners here. You don't know anything about the equipment. What is it you should look for in a gym, and how do you educate yourself before you even step foot in one of those? That's a great question. So if it's a big gym, I would definitely go during prime time and see how busy it gets or whatever whatever time you can make it in. 
That way you know ahead of time if it's going to be a good fit. When you're looking around, if it's just kind of an open format or open floor with, you know, tires and rowers and kettlebells, things like that, that's not a good thing. If there are a good amount of machines that you can use, then that's a good thing because then from there, you get the selectorized ones with the pins. You can make progress, and you can also use the strength training pieces like the machines for kind of a form of cardio. So you can go higher rep, and then as you progress, you can start to lower the reps and add a little bit of resistance. But it's all about just making a little bit of progress, just enough of a workout to not be sore. Maybe a little sore is fine. You will, you will get those adaptations. But, again, if it's kind of an open format, that's probably a place that you want to stay away from. Or if they just write a workout on the board and then you're just doing it unsupervised, mm-hmm. like the places that you'll see them running up and down the street. If you're charging money for people to run up and down the street, I don't have anything good to say. And then before you even walk in there, look at the reviews. I've seen some places where there may be personal training studios or do a little bit of both. And you look at the reviews, I mean, if it's a lot of, you know, two, three, one-star reviews and those are experiences that people had, that could be a big red flag. But if you go in there, ask some of the members. Or if there's a trainer you're interested in working with, ask some of his clients and say, you know, how has your experience been? And then for the trainer and the clients, have you been successful? And if so, what are your measures of success? Jason Colloran from Elite Edge Sports Performance. Thank you for being in here. I just want to let you know that when you walked in here, Mo whispered in my ear that he could kick your ass. He said he could kick your ass. No. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a lover. You and me both. I'm a snuggler. <laughs> Thanks, Jason. Appreciate you, man. You're on The Burt Show. So when you think about it, Burt's Big Adventure 2024 is right around the corner. It's a next month. <laughs> it's next month, right? Uh, we're constantly reminding you guys about Burt's Big Adventure because you guys are the shareholders in the trip that we take down to Disney World every year with kids that have chronic and terminal illnesses. And our kids have been picked and Racetrack is like, that's not enough. <laughs> Racetrack has gone above and beyond to make our 2024 families feel welcome to our Burt's Big Adventure community. So they donated $10,000 so each of our new families would get a special all expenses paid holiday experience over the holidays. So some of it can go to Zoo Atlanta, the Atlanta Botanical Gardens, Six Flags, you name it, whatever they wanted to do around our beautiful city, they could do it free of charge. Parking's taken care of, $250 for dinner, $100 gift card to cover gas because a lot of our families live OTP. They covered everything. Um, and in case you missed it and you want to hear what it sounded like when we surprised some of these families with the news that they were going to Disney World, they were a part of Burt's Big Adventure 2024. Here you go. All of our new Burt's Big Adventure families have been selected for our 2024 trip down to Disney World. You have been selected as our newest <laughs> to Burt's Big Adventure. Are you serious? Because you've been selected to be one of our Burt's Big Adventure families. <laughs> you guys are going to Disney and it's going to be amazing. Well, you're coming to Disney with us. You're going on the trip next year with us. You're going. What? You're going. <laughs> You're going. You're going. <laughs> this means so much to us. Oh, look at that. Smile is awesome. And you guys are going down to Disney World. You have been selected to be a part of Bird's Figure. No way. 2024. <laughs> You're going awesome. to Disney. Jack, if you were going to go to Disney World, would you take your whole family? Yeah. It'd be better with your family, right? Well, those are the only questions I have, and you answer them right. So now we're going to tell you that you're going to Disney World. Oh, Oh, that is amazing. Thank you so much. You're going to Disney, honey? 
You're gonna go see Mickey and Minnie. Been fighting so hard, and he deserves it so much. Thank you, thank you so much. I'm so excited for Eliora and her brothers. I'm sorry. <laughs> we also have some really good news because our friends over at Racetrack have a special gift for you and your family this holiday season. So they hooked our families up big time. First of all, they hooked them up with all sorts of experiences around the city. So like botanical gardens, they want to go to the zoo. Racetrack said, we gotcha. What do you say? Thank you. Thank you so much. You have no idea how much this means to me. Olive's going to be so excited. He loves Mickey. And that's one of his words this week that he decided he was going to say. Mickey. To have something to look forward to that's actually going to give him joy. Oh, that makes my mama heart so happy. Racetrack also said, we want to send all of them out to dinner. So Racetrack gave $250 to each and every one of our families. And that wasn't enough. Racetrack's like, you know what? We're going to give them $100 also. Nothing like this happens to me. So this is why I'm like <laughs> shocked. <laughs> I'm sorry. I got tears because that's just like amazing. Thank you so much. Have a great holiday and we will see you down at Disney World. And I just have to say to Abby, I do listen to the bird show every single day on my way to work. <laughs> oh my God. Well, thank you for listening. You guys are so sweet. Thank you all for calling. Thank you so much. You made my day. Thank you. Thank you to Racetrack for embracing our Burstwick Adventure families in the best way possible. Look, you you guys are the ones that are sending them down there, so check them out up online at thebirdshow.com or birdsbigadventure.org. You got to make these kids warning. Oh, my God, they are so cute. They're so cute. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Kristen almost got in a fight. Oh, my fight God. At State Farm Arena. Fight! I, I, I seriously thought I was going to get my butt kicked. I'm not <laughs> even lying. All right, so... Um, we went to the UK-UNC basketball game at State Farm Arena, okay? And this was part of, like, the CBS Classic or whatever. And as soon as I saw they were coming to Atlanta, a huge Kentucky fan, um, and immediately jumped on tickets. And Tommy even helped me because, like, we did the Ticketmaster presale, which was terrifying. Hated every moment of that. <laughs> you Swifties, I don't understand how you do that. Um, but got lower bowl seats, right? And it was, like, the very last row at State Farm Arena, which is, it was perfect. We, we were going to be in the back row, have plenty of room, whatever. So um, we get down to State Farm Arena and we get in and it wasn't like the last row of the actual seats in State Farm Arena. It was like behind the barrier and they had created one more row uh -huh. with portable chairs. Okay. Which was kind of cool because we were able to stand up the entire game. They're trying it was... to squeeze as many people as they can in for a game like that. <laughs> Dude, there were so many Kentucky and UNC fans. It was ridiculous. So we're there and we are having a fantastic time. But because it was like a unique section, like they had it like partitioned off and we have these seats, people would kind of like walk into our area and like stand there, but they were like, you know, there's chairs that are like, these are our seats. And it happened a couple of times, whatever, but then this one woman came in at halftime and she was standing where my husband was sitting. Uh-oh. And he had <laughs> okay, gone- hold on a sec. Yeah. All right, because you need to paint a picture for us. Um, because you know your husband. Yes. 
We all know your husband. Yes. Okay. Yes. And you see that. Oh no, I'm already there. Like, you're I'm, already there. I'm staying like because it's halftime and we're we're sitting in our seats and the guys were great. Like they were running and fetching us food and high noons and stuff like that. And so we're we're pretty well sauced okay. now as it's halftime. <laughs> and um, she's just standing there because they we had like it was a, a nice view of the court. So people are taking pictures, right? And he comes in and he's standing there oh, and he, he doesn't, but <laughs> when, when you have a good enough seat to where people come stand in front of you to take the pictures. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so, um, he come, he walks back into our section because we're right there at the aisle where you walk down the stairs. Right. And one guy came in and just laid his coat over at the chair. It was just standing oh, there. Oh, comfortable. Oh, forever. <laughs> and, and somebody goes, is he with you? And I was like, no. Um, and so they were constantly, the ushers were on it, and they were trying to, they were like, this is a no standing zone. This is a no standing zone, whatever. But then at one point, they just, they, they gave up, and they did not care. Uh-huh. So she comes in, and she's standing there, and Bart comes in, and he doesn't, like, Bart does what he does. He doesn't say anything. He just looks at her. <laughs> and he's right. got to look. Yeah, that sure. man's got to look. Uh-huh. So but he wasn't like, I'll be honest, like he wasn't rude, but he, he he's not going to, he doesn't, my husband doesn't placate anybody, right? He doesn't like, he's just, it, it is what it is. So he just looks at her and she walks off to the side. She and her boyfriend stood there for the rest of the game. No, they didn't. I could feel somebody, like, you know, you can feel somebody staring at you. Mm-hmm. And it should be noted, we had three Kentucky fans and one UNC fan with us, right? They were both UNC fans. Mm-hmm. I turn around and she's going like this. <gasps> Are you kidding me? She's slipping you off. The bird? Yes. She's slipping you off. Yes. Wow. And I'm like. I'm surprised she could do that while she was holding her wine and cheese. <laughs> and I'm like. Um, okay, and I had to use the bathroom. I'd already broken the seal. I'm on my fourth high noon, so I have to walk past her and her boyfriend mm-hmm. to go to the bathroom. And I'm like, woman up, Kristen. If you got to go, you got to go. So I start walking out, and I walk out, and she's like this the whole way. What? It just what? flipping me off the whole way to the bathroom. Unreal, man. I come back. We sit, And again, we're, they stood there. So now it's the end of the game, right? And it's a minute left. UNC 81, Kentucky 83. And I'm over here thinking, like, yeah, I want Kentucky win. But I need Kentucky to win. <laughs> yeah. Because if they don't win, they're going to follow us out of State yeah. Farm. They're going to give us so much crap. So then they progress. UNC 81, UK 84. And then UNC comes back. UNC 83, UK 84. We got 30 seconds left in the game. And I'm like, cats, you got to pull this out. I got to shut this UNC beat down. She can't take it out like this. And then sure enough, UK wins. 87 to 83. And I turn and look. They're gone. You're on The Burt Show.